Hello, everyone, uh, and welcome to episode nine of Sketch Watch Play. Uh, my name is Sean Flurry, and I'm Christopher Wade. And uh, Rock Tree, <laughs> Rock Tree, Rock Tree. Oh, very, very, oh right. It's, uh, how it's did you not thing. realize? What? How is that? Re- that's relevant. It just, it's 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 just I ha- I don't have. Uh, it's not seeped into my memory as well as many other animated films, okay. and I know I know that is blasphemous. I know it is. Well, we'll I get have, to that. We'll get to that. But um, yeah. welcome to our latest episode. This is our uh, second. Oh, hey, Simpa. This is our second attempt at the uh, biweekly schedule we're going with. Uh, mm-hmm. And sorry, starting off with the regular cat walking across the webcam and getting its tail in your face. Oh my god! Uh, times like sorry. that, like we wish we had a video uh, podcast, but. Um, so I I I, uh, I think the schedule's you know seems to be off to a good start so far, mm-hmm. and it's given us some good time to get ready for uh, this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on kind of on a kind of a limited uh, amount of time tonight, so let's try and get right into the first thing that we're going to talk for, for the pre for like the opening. Uh, mm-hmm. So as I mentioned towards the end of the last episode, I did uh, get the switch at launch. I hate you so much. I well, am so jealous. Hey, well. Last week, you, you and Serena came over to try it. We did, and I'm still rather jealous. <laughs> yeah, I, so I got three games. Obviously, Zelda, uh, mm-hmm. also Super Mario Man R, and One Two Switch, which mm-hmm. uh, you tried. Actually, I guess you tried all three, but I needed you there to try the uh, One Two Switch. Is obviously local multiplayer only, and I wanted to yeah. test out the local uh, uh, co-op and stuff of Bomberman. Um, those two are okay. I think you might have seen my Bomberman review. It's kind of iffy. One Two Switch yeah. is similar. One Two Switch has some really fun mini games, but it also has some that are duds and not much in terms of like, like nothing in terms of unlockables, progression, or customization. It's very shallow. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, I, I had fun with it as a first yeah. time play, but eh, I'm not all that impressed with One Two Switch. No, uh, I, yeah, I don't think it's a fifty, sixty dollar product. Honestly, nope. Should have been a pack in or like a twenty dollar downloadable. Mm-hmm. I'd actually say the same with Bomberman. Maybe not a pack-in, but 20 30 bucks seemed more reasonable for what's kind of a bare-bones Bomberman game. Yeah, but I'm guessing they just wanted to get as much profit as they could with it. With it being a day one time. Yeah, it, actually, Bomberman R has b- apparently been the fastest-selling game in the series' history. Oh, really? So even if, it's not a, even if it's not a great game, it means we're probably going to get more Bomberman now. That's good, yeah, because it's been a, been a long time since we've seen Bomberman. Yeah, like five, six years. No, don't do this to me, Jonesy. No, please stop. <laughs> oh, that's Jonesy. Okay, I thought it was Simba. It's cool. He looks like a Simba. It's, it's well, fine. Is, is Simba gray? The gray one? Simba's the gray bastard. And yeah, he's not around right now. But Jonesy decided to just sit here. And I guess he's super excited to be talking about Zelda with us today. Yeah, yeah. But so you guys got to try that a little bit. They're both okay. They're both worth rentals, those two. But mm-hmm. uh, Zelda, that's where it's at. Yeah, the the internet is going crazy over yeah. Zelda, and for good reason. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty damn awesome. It, I uh, I really it, it is the most fun I've had with the Zelda since um. Actually, I'd say I'd say Twilight Princess because I really like that and Wind Waker. But this is the reinvention that I've actually have been hoping for for a while. You know, I've never been much of a Zelda fan, and it's it's He's weird because all sort of like blasphemous opinions. In the yeah, first five minutes. It, you're right. Um, so. I, I, I can never really just find myself lost in, in its in its epic wonder. I, I never did. This might um, change your mind. Yeah, yeah. From what I've seen of you and my other name, who's coincidentally also named John, um, <laughs> they uh, this is the Zelda that I will end up picking. Hell, I did pick it up. I picked up the Zelda for Switch before I picked up the actual Switch console. I keep talking. Um, you, you can just get it on Wii U. It's the same game. I don't want it on the Wii U, though. I want it on the Switch. Okay. I want to support, like, I want to support this system that I've I called the, the fact that Nintendo was going to do this exact thing on their next on their next console. I called it, and I wanted to support them on it. And by crumb, <laughs> I will get as many good games uh, as Did possible. Did you call it they, they pulled a Twilight Princess, you mean? Um, no. Um, the fact that their next system was going to be a, a hybrid console. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, yeah. There were already rumors about – that was the main rumor going on before they announced it. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with the Wii. I don't know if the Wii U, anybody guessed that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a really cool game. It uh, – I think I, it is going to be a lot of people's first Zelda because open world games have become such a big 
thing right now. Like, they're a hot yeah. concept, and yeah. I can see why I actually love open world games for the most part. Yeah, I, I love them too. They're, and I they're, remember when I played because I I did not like Skyward Sword very much. Yeah, not a lot of from what I saw. It was divisive. Yeah, it's pretty divisive. Um, and I remember one the motion control is just more hurt it, but it also it didn't feel as fresh as the others before it. Mm-hmm. Um, Twilight Princess had a darker atmosphere. Uh, Windmaker had the whole ocean thing and the tune approach. And I was like, I, 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 the series needs to reinvent itself for the next entry. And I remember thinking, okay, two things I want above all others in the next Zelda: open world like Skyrim and voice mm-hmm. acting. Uh, I, the voice acting gets me. I mean, that's um, the open world concept, which I love to death. I love, uh, I, I love screwy, uh, epic grand scale adventures like uh, uh like breath of the wild did you say screwly um, screwy i i i know i it love screwly like games screwly games that's a good name for a new developer hi we're screwly <laughs> games we're screwly games come uh, come see our whimsy developments and new remote control technology um don't do that ever again nintendo please um but they already have the, the joy cons have motion controls I, I, all right. Just a quick little aside. I'm still not used to those those teeny tiny things. I, I, I have big monstrous, uh, yeah. strong man hands. When you and Serena visited, I forgot. I said like I forgot how tall you guys both were. Mm-hmm. There, uh, I might have to. I really don't want to get a seventy dollar controller. I truly don't. No, but it, it handles fine when you use it as a conventional controller rather than just. Also, I, I mean, if you play like Mario Kart or something with it, then yeah, maybe you might have some issues. That's right. Um, yeah. But if you gotta get a pro controller, maybe resort to eBay. I don't know. Yeah, I might end up doing that. But um, tell me a little bit more about Zelda. I've only yeah. seen. I've only played like maybe a maximum of ten minutes of it. Right. And I'm. I, again, I'm not I'm not a big Zelda fan. This is the Zelda that's in, that's intrigued me the most uh, since since ever. I had yeah. my, I mean I was I was pretty happy uh, with the way that Wind Waker looked, yes. but this this seems like a nice that God sorry cat <laughs> cat in the face yeah um this seems like a nice mix of like uh like real um like has a realistic polish but still has that flair of cartoonism in its, its graphics. It's, it's building off what Skyward Sword did, which is more realistic character environmental designs, mm-hmm. but still kind of a flat, semi-cell-shaded approach. Okay, they yeah. They kind of reached a compromise between mm-hmm. the series two visual styles at that point. And it, yeah. it works pretty well. Um, it, I, I did take some notes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really in-depth. Um, both because with how much there is to, to do and explore in the world, it mm-hmm. is a game very much reliant on ex- on free exploration. They've it's been stated they took a lot of inspiration from the very first NES Zelda, which mm-hmm. you know not a conventional open world in modern terms, but that was very much a, you know walk around that little grid overhead map and just discover yeah. everything on your own. You're not being it's not, you're not being there's not a plot to go from point to point. Go here, go here, go here. Like like everything after it. Yeah, that's good. And uh, in fact. One thing that people seem to hate over more over time was that every 3D, I think every main Zelda game started with like prologue sections where it was very linear. It was kind of just teach you the gameplay mechanics one at a time, slowly establish mm-hmm. all the plot threads, and then kind of getting things more open. This is just you start the game, Link wakes up, he goes outside, go. Cool. It's it's, it's kind of jarring. It was kind of jarring, even though I knew I already knew that it started like that. Mm-hmm. And that is actually not the lack of pro of tutorial stuff. My one big complaint with it is that the story does feel a little sparse and not so much the, as a priority as the last few Zeldas, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a missed opportunity given the fact that there's finally proper voice acting now. Even though mm-hmm. the the dialogue voice acting is limited to cutscenes and stuff like when Zelda's like you know omniscient voice telepathically yeah. speaks to you or whatever. Uh, when you when it's like normal conversations, especially with like smaller npcs on the field they still do the normal zelda thing like hey oh yeah yeah and, yeah okay uh um but it is the voice acting is pretty good for the for, from what i've heard and the characters are still still get characters have always had a lot of personality even when mm-hmm. they're not fully voiced and so now it's just kind of an icing on the cake yeah and the link still he can only talk with hit he, he's he's only reduced to heroic grunts and and vocal spasms which i think is just Hilarious in its own so way. Great jokes like you, you have that. you have all these professional voice actors just coming mm-hmm. along and doing their line, and you just this ch- this chump kid going to save the world. He's like, ah, well, in the cutscenes, he just 
doesn't make a sound. Uh, that's oh, really? Make, like, a gasp, like, <gasps> like I, I don't think they, they they knew it would be silly to have a conversation where he's going, ah, oh, he's just, it's, it kind of works around the fact that he can't talk. I've actually, I still have a lot of the game to play because apparently, I'm guessing I'm only like one third through it. Mm-hmm. I haven't played it a lot recently, but um, that, that's part of it. But apparently later at some points, characters point out like, man, you don't talk much. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Yeah, I think uh, GTA did that at some point with the guy <laughs> in 3 because he never talked. Um, and it's really interesting, too, because one Zelda... Tra- they, they, yeah, they've thrown a lot of uh, tr- conventions on their side. Mm-hmm. And, or, or a side, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, one thing is a trademark of Zelda is that you gradually unlock more weapons and gear, like various you know, cool tools, like the hook shot and stuff over time. Here, Mm -hmm. you kind of get your base lineup of special abilities and primary weapon types in the first, like, two hours. And that's mostly it. Um, The the, one of the biggest things is how weapons are handled, because it's just like, here's the Master Sword, that's all you get. You basically have to keep finding new weapons because they break after a certain amount of use. Yeah, yeah, I've and seen that happen. You can there's some there are, you know villages where you can purchase them at shops. There are traveling mm-hmm. merchants you can run into. You can um, the the big thing I like to do is you can get, take them from downed enemies because mm-hmm. they'll have clubs or spears, and once they're gone, you just pick a right yeah. up. And you have an inventory where you can store and switch between them. You can upgrade the inventory. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I've seen games that have done that before, but never to the level of where you – well, I can't say never. I, I've seen it done to, to the point where if you exhaust your inventory or if you break your weapon, then you definitely have to keep it – it definitely forces you to keep an eye on how yeah. resourceful you're it's going to be com- later it's on. It's not a completely new concept. It's just new yeah. for Zelda. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's really interesting because many of those melee weapons do handle differently. Like, mm-hmm. some are two-handed, so you can't use the shield to parry or block attacks, but they're stronger. Mm-hmm. Some are yeah. slower, some are faster. And, you know, it's a, it's convention that if Link holds the attack button, he'll do a spin and bit attack with his sword. That's, for, that's mm-hmm. in Smash Brothers. Yeah. Here, uh, various different weapons have different charge attacks. Like, a spear will do, like, a rapid, a rapid bunch of jabs. Mm-hmm. Um Clubs will do like a really big, powerful swing in front of you. It varies, and so people might pick favorite weapon types. Mm-hmm. Um, same goes for arrows. Like you can, you uh, they they're doing like elemental arrows. Yeah, know, yeah. Uh, fire, water. Uh, no, not water. Ice. Yeah. Electric. When and I, my favorite bombs. Bomb you, uh, <laughs> now, when I played it over at your house for a level, I. I uh, I switched out a weapon that was like a some sort of like electrical sword, and when I spun around, like thunderbolt balls came out of the sword. Yeah, and that's that the made, thunder rod. That made me very happy. I was mm-hmm. like, man, this is very sweet. And then I uh, noticed that I was running out of mat. I was running out of uh, uh, the juice for the sword, um, so I couldn't like do the electrical ball all the time. Oh, your stam- um, that, that's your stamina. Oh, okay. Oh, that yeah, wasn't for yeah. the weapon. Link has stamina for you use it up either by running, climbing, mm-hmm. or um, doing the charge attacks. Yeah, that's right. I did. Uh, yeah, I, I did. That was that. actually introduced I, in Skyward Sword, and they've built on it here. And okay. one other big thing is Link is fully customizable now. You mm. can get, you can unlock and or purchase uh, different hats, mm-hmm. shirts, and pants for him. I. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I did see one thing that that Twitter is blowing up about is uh, Link is running around in like a belly dancer costume. That's a uh, plot point, apparently. Oh, really? Do you know? There, well, Ganondorf. You know, I don't think he's in this game, but the, the main villain in the series mm-hmm. is from a tribe called the Gerudo, kind of like the Indian equivalent. Yeah. And their their gimmick is they only have a male born every twenty years or something. So mm-hmm. most, it's a mostly female like warrior society. Yeah. Apparently, to sneak in, Link has to, cro- to dress in drag. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I want to play that. I have no that's... idea how tastefully it's handled, but I'm curious mm-hmm. about it. I haven't really heard people complaining for the most part. So no, no, I've I've heard nothing but celebra- but celebration and and lots of fan art because I have to admit. Link's, Link's kind of cute in the belly dancer outfit. I take Link him out is for some coffee. This, he starts out just in like a speedo. Oh, that's right. He does. He, he gives Gladiolus a run for his money. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh no. That's a callback. Oh no. The art for that though, just for that that union. Oh no. Uh, inter- maybe someone will that's... listen to this and get ideas. <laughs> eh, I can't take it back. Uh, no, you can't. But um, right. other stuff. Uh, 
it, yeah, it's, it's extraordinarily like nonlinear, even in its main plot points. Because yeah. every Zelda's had a thing that usually like go to these locations to collect sacred whatevers one at a time in this order. Here, a lot of portion of the early game takes you a while to get to that goal, and even then, you can go and explore those four areas in any order. That's cool. You can even leave one at one point and come back. Um, that's, that, that's really cool. Now, I I also heard. Correct me if I'm wrong, but can you leave your stuff from the very first part in the game? Mm-hmm. Can you fight the final boss? Yes. Right. There? What? That is a much publicized <laughs> feature in terms of saying how much freedom they've offered. Um, I'm not going to try it because yes, you can technically from the beginning once you on. Un- okay, no, the prologue. The one thing that's holding you back is that you're on this big cliff and you have mm-hmm. to an- clear a few little. Um, shrines, which I'll get to in a minute. Look at the first four, and then you get a paraglider, which is kind of like a cross between a hang glider and a parachute. You can go off mm-hmm. there, and at that point, yes, you can go over to Hyrule Castle and attempt to take on Ganon. Because I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I'm one of those. I'm, I'm one of those douchey SOBs that will try and beat up the the final boss on his can. first try. You can, and, but I've heard it is brutal. I I want to I, I want to do it. I, I go really for it. Want to Let me know how it goes. But um, and that actually does tie into one other thing that uh, plot wise that. I think it's pointed me a little bit, which, which is that so the main villain of Zelda has always been Ganon or Ganondorf. The idea is that he was originally you know human, and yeah, the Triforce got corrupted and became a big pig monster. But mm-hmm. um, here, it's the interesting thing about the time setting is it is tens of thousands of years after every Zelda. Tens of after every Zelda. Wow. Tens of thousands, like at least like probably like fifty thousand. Wow. Um, and the idea is that by this point, I don't know if they're going to go into it by the end, Ganon has become less of a, an individual, more this consuming force. Like, oh, did, you, cool. did you ever see Doctor Strange? Uh, no. Okay. He is basically, I get the impression he's like Dormammu. For those who have seen it or are familiar with Doctor Strange, you'll kind of get what I'm saying. Okay. And he's become less a character and more this nebulous aura energy that's all about destruction and consumption nice. and the setup is because when they first announced the game i was like is this supposed to be post-apocalyptic the answer mm. is yes and no basically mm. he laid waste to a ton of hyrule a hundred years ago mm. and zelda princess zelda back then uh and some other characters and link uh mm. retreated zelda well, actually zelda has apparently also somehow lived for a hundred years being frozen in there with with ganon she's a prison within the castle but yeah. the idea is that they're their sign that he's about to break out and link basically pulled an ang and went into a cryogenic sleep for a century mm-hmm. and he wakes up and finds himself in a very different world and gradually regains his memories it's kind of a nice oh. plot point where going to certain locations will fill will get you will get you a lot of important cutscenes. okay cool his time with zelda and other other characters and how things got where they are now Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm just I'm really I'm worried they're not going to say like what made Ganon this go from like basically an evil Voldemort type to mm. this and mm. are we even going to see Ganondorf are we going to get an explanation and I am going to be a little disappointed okay I'm basically hoping at the end either they do something that surprises me or something that emotionally gets me because mm. the Zelda games have had that in the past there's a part with I'm sure you know who Midna is there's a part mm. in Twilight Princess with Midna midway through that was just kind of a moment that makes you panic like, oh shit I gotta help her I gotta help her and it's, it's great and mm. you already commented on seeing Zelda and that cutscene crying got to you and a lot of other mm. people actually Patrick was the same way that made him go like I wanna get this um, and that's actually <laughs> one of the flashbacks I think it's possible to miss that oh wow okay and apparently so that, in the game, it does encourage you to find the flashbacks because I think getting them all unlocks a true ending of some sort. Yeah. So I'm going to try and do it before I do go and fight Ganon. I'll, I'll see which ones I have left to do. Um, mm-hmm. But, okay, Chris, remind me. Do you need to be done at 8.30? 8.30 is fine. Okay, we should probably wrap up. It's been about 20 minutes. Okay. Um, but I will say, yeah, uh, other than that that story complaint I have, Breath of the Wild is a fantastic game, and yeah. I've it, it's really engrossed me. It's hard for a game to really suck me in that much anymore, mm-hmm. uh, especially one with that's more about exploration than plot. But they pulled it off. This is Nintendo them, themselves, their first open world game. Like Xenoblade did that too, but that was a different another developer. Yeah, this is they did a really good job, and a really they really put still put their unique stamp on it. It mm-hmm. still feels a lot like Zelda in many ways. But mm-hmm. also in enough w- ways it doesn't to where it feels faithful but still fresh. And That's good. 
and, and as a as a new player, I, I think that's something to I think that's something to be be really impressed by. Yeah, when you do because, get it, I want you to I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and it, I, I, maybe hopefully we can continue to try some of the older ones. You might not mm-hmm. like them as much, but there's still some. You'll still get some fun out of them. I sure, sure, absolutely. I mean, we still have Wind Waker. I'm not sure if I want to go to Skyward Sword, but uh, I don't I don't mind. I, do you wait? Do you have Wind Waker HD? Uh, yes, we do. I, I'd get Twilight Princess too. Oh, okay. Especially because last thing I'll say. Uh, Breath of the Wild has some good amiibo support, which is if you scan any of the Zelda-themed amiibo, not just the ones mm-hmm. they released with the game, but like the ones from Smash Brothers and the anniversary set, yeah. you get uh, – it's very heavy on loot drops because you also have to like cook food. You can find food ingredients and cook them at any like campfire you find. Yeah. Uh, so the Zelda characters will drop, will drop specific themed uh, – Food and like loot, like gear, shields. Air, like, like Zelda dropped her light arrow. Um, oh, cool! That, that's from uh, Ocarina of Time and and Wind Waker, and that's like her final smash in, okay. in Smash Bros. And uh, awesome. one I liked is horses. Now you can find and tame them in the wild, and then register I heard them of, in a stable. I heard, I heard about that. That the and they one can be thing killed too. Yeah, the one thing that 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 made me so excited was the fact that, and I hope this isn't spoiling it for anybody. Because uh, I just saw a screenshot, is that there are like these these skeleton horses that you oh. can find. I'm not. I haven't gone there yet. There are skeletons. Oh. There are skeletons, uh, but yeah. in a sense, there would be skeleton horses. I've seen a screenshot. Apparently, you can ride bears. Oh, I've seen that too. That's pretty I wanna, awesome. I, I and even a... like animals in the wild. Like you, if you find a way to get onto like a deer, you can ride mm-hmm. it. I don't know if you can tame it, but it's I, a really I, nice I, touch. I, um, I, but I, what I, saw... I was getting at was if you scan I, I, either the Smash Brothers Link Amiibo or the Ocarina of Time Amiibo, which I got shipped to me just for this game, and because mm-hmm. Ocarina is you know the most nostalgic favorite to me. Yeah, uh, it unlocks Epona, like the iconic Zelda horse from Ocarina Ooh. and uh, Princess, because I don't think she can be unlocked normally in the game. Okay. So, yeah, obviously. Uh, and, and the Switch itself, I think we can stand by what we say, which is that it, you don't have to buy it right now unless you really want Zelda and don't have a Wii U. Yeah. Or if you're like Chris and you want to support the Switch version. Um, mm-hmm. But once uh, – there's, there's some interesting stuff coming out pretty soon. I'm looking forward to both Splatoon 2 and ARMS mm-hmm. uh, and probably some indie stuff. And hopefully by the end of the year, Super Mario Odyssey and yeah. some – and maybe like Virtual Console and stuff. It's It works really well so far. It just needs more content. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I'm, I'm actually waiting for a few games myself. Like I, I supported this um, game on Kickstarter called um, Narita Boy or something. Um, and it's like a, it's a 2D scrolling game. You yeah. just uh, it's it's Did like they have a stretch uh, goal for the switch. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they, they announced that they're going to try and put it on the yeah. switch because it's uh, selling really well so far. Yeah, I was surprised um, to read it sold better than the Wii did in that launch period. And though yeah. I don't think it's going to be a phenomenon on that level overall long term because we yeah. just so accessible. It is. It's encouraging to see it doing well because that's going to encourage other companies to make stuff for it. Absolutely. That's what um, ultimately killed the Wii U. Third parties just abandoned that thing. Yeah, I'm seeing a bunch of like indie games like uh, like yeah. you know, just throwing their support over it. I'm they're doubling down on indie support too. They've said one, they're going to get exclusives. Like Bit Trip Runner Three is going to be an exclusive. They yeah. also said one of the big things the Wii U had a problem with was that it would get ports of indie games like years after they were on other systems. And tested. Now we're aiming for like day one. Like that's good. Sonic Mania is going to launch on Switch the same day as everything else. That's exactly I know what you're I excited want. for. I'm super excited same about with Sonic, Sonic Forces, Mania. Uh, which uh, I'm also interested. In. Yeah, I'm I'm slowly becoming more interested in Sonic Forces. We which, should do a, we should do a Sonic episode at some point. That would be oh, interesting. Oh, absolutely, we're definitely doing that. And I I I I I will just roll over and scream if we don't do that. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, so I think it's about time we get to the main event, and it's a big one for me yeah. at least. Yes, it is. Let me go grab a pillow really quick, and let me export. Mm-hmm. Wow, my own giant robot. I am now the luckiest kid in America. This is unbelievable. This is the greatest discovery since, I don't know, television or something. I gotta tell someone. I should call some. No, they'll panic. People always wig out and start shooting when they see something big like you. Oh, wig out. It means crazy. You know, like, uh. No, no, no. Don't do that. That's the kind of stuff that makes them shoot at you. So, I want to preface this by saying, I think most of us, uh, I mean, you and me, obviously, we, we love movies, we love anime mm-hmm. movies. Not everybody has a favorite movie. Like, my mom has said forever, her favorite movie is The Sound of Music, which I have still never seen in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, do you have a favorite movie? I do have a favorite movie. What is it? It is, it is uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Fantastic movie. I do not mm-hmm. 
Uh, and that's also one I haven't seen that many times because you were mm-hmm. saying that kind of ties into your exposure to, to. We're talking about a little movie that could. I'm sorry, uh, a 1999 <laughs> Warner Brothers animated film, The Iron Giant. The- I can see, I can see you trying very hard to contain your excitement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be unleashed. This was um, the first movie directed by a man named Brad Bird, who, if you are into animation like us, this man has kind of been becoming... uh, He's a legend in my eyes, but someone with reputation, at least. He's definitely an icon, yes. And if you haven't seen Iron Giant, you probably have seen his two following anime movies, uh, The Incredibles and Ratatouille, Mm -hmm. which are... The Incredibles is my favorite Pixar movie, and that is saying a lot. Yes. Uh, he also recently did live action films. He did the fourth Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, good film. He did Tomorrowland, which I heard wasn't very good, but apparently that was the, more the script's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he's doing The Incredibles 2, the Pixar sequel I've been wanting. And yeah. he is personally writing it himself. Um, That's good. I'm going, to, I'm going to rave about this man in a minute. But um, this movie is kind of legendary, but it didn't start out that way. Mm-hmm. When it was released, it was it got a little promotion. Uh, what promotion did get was really stupid. I don't know if you remember the commercials. They would do stuff for like a montage set to rock me like a hurricane by Scorpions. Oh, yeah. Uh, like a, a slapstick track when the giant's doing this, like, motion with that noise, like, something humongous. Oh, he's among us. <laughs> yeah. Just, it, was, it made it look like the dumbest shit in the world. You know, I've I've seen some I've seen some posts for a couple of animators every now and then, like uh, remarking about how bad the marketing was yeah. for two D films and like this, well, this came out like in, this, this came like, out in the late nineties, right? Nineteen ninety nine, summer of ninety nine, kind of started the, during the downfall of like two D major studio films at least. Yeah, that was Even a shame. Starting to have issues. Well, actually, they did Tarzan that year, but that was that was a good movie. But you know, the, we were still getting that was when they were starting to flounder a bit, and um, but. I remember so I, I was twelve when this came out and it's it was I was already starting to you know, I, I know I grew up liking cartoons, obviously. Like I, I had a lot of the Disney Renaissance movies on VHS and watched them incessantly. Like that's why mm-hmm. Aladdin is still my favorite Disney movie. It's just mm-hmm. I can't take the nostalgia filters off even yeah. though it's on its own. It's fantastic. It happens, it's cool. But um and this was already when stuff I was you know, I was I was twelve, um, heading to middle school and starting to get into stuff like this is when the anime boom was happening too. Like mm-hmm. Pokemon had happened, Toonami was happening, just opening my eyes to some really crazy new stuff. Yeah. And I was starting to think of cartoons as something more than just a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, also, everybody, was, also, everybody. Right around the time I first uh, got cable and got like, Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon when they had some really good stuff on. Yeah. And I was starting to go to some animation website, like one that doesn't exist anymore, and they were talking mad hype about this movie before it was even out. I remember what sold me was they interviewed one of the artists on it, and one of the questions they asked was, when did it first hit you when you were working on something special? Which, that said something to me, and so I was curious, and I went out, okay, I always give my, my sibling Patrick and my cousins grief for this, it was Patrick and some of our cousins and my grandma Mimi, uh, yeah. they went, she went to the theater, and I went to go see Iron Giant, she took them all to see Inspector Gadget. Guess who won that, that battle? Well, at the box office, Inspector Gadget won. Well, I was going to say you won that battle because yes. you saw the better movie. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think they even liked it when they saw it. Ah, they were Jesus. like eight. Um, uh. Uh, but I, I kind of walked out in a daze. Like I had never really seen anything like this at that point in my life. This was kind of – it kind of opened my eyes to what animation could do when people didn't just try to copy Disney. Because they did that a lot back then and of it course. was almost never as good. Yeah. I mean, you um, had Princess, um, um, the the Swan Princess. Swan Princess. This was right after Warner Brothers did Quest for Camelot, Pale Imitation, mm-hmm. not a very good movie. And yeah. uh, it actually does tie into, when we get to the behind-the-scenes stuff, it kind of did help the Iron Giant become what it is. But So I walked out of this. This is when I was starting to go, like, I want to make stuff like this. I want to follow stuff like this. This is yeah. incredible. And um, that's why I got super excited for Incredibles the moment they said he was directing it and like spearheading it. Because that <laughs> yeah. was a movie Bird wanted to make for a long time. And I think he did have it in pre-production as a 2D movie at Warner Brothers. But uh, this movie's failure it was like they were like, get, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. But uh, Chris, when did you first see The Iron Giant? See, I didn't go see I – didn't, I didn't go see The Iron Giant in theaters. I, I, yeah, and, and unfortunately I was a kid that was subject to – 
uh, well, whatever was on the com- whatever the commercials told me, I was probably uh, I was I was either going to go get it or I was probably going to sit out on it because I was poor. Um, so I think at the time I was. I was way up in the Pokemon craze, so there was no way I was going to go see the this Iron Giant. This was in the midst of Pokemania. Yeah, but it finally came on television not too long after that. And I forget what channel. I forget Cartoon Network runs it often. Yeah, and I wound up watching it. And I'm like, holy shit, this was great. Yeah. What? Why did I see this? Now, mind you, this was... This was the same period that uh, um, this was in that same era that Cats Don't Dance came out. <laughs> and, oh, another pretty good Warner move, movie that got the shaft. Well, well, that's that's still a bit of a cult classic. That's still yeah. uh, that's that suffered from very very bad marketing. That one really tanked too, and that's a yeah. good movie. Yeah, uh, and I was like, how am I? How can I call myself someone who wants to follow these kinds of move? Who wants to follow mm. this industry? And I'm I'm catching them on television, skipping them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was still under the impression that only Disney made good made good animated films, and that's that was obviously untrue and unfair. But at the same time, it they made had the me highest feel, batting average. Yeah, it, I still felt really bad sitting through the great emotional arcs of the Iron Giant and yeah. and and um and, uh, Hogarth. The, and Hogarth. I was about to call him Hodor. Sorry, we were talking about Game of Thrones and, at work today. Um, and and here I am. I'm like, oh my god, this was this was incredible how could i yeah. do this to myself i wanted to get into the story a little bit um because there's probably a lot of us who still haven't seen it mm-hmm. uh, i will say uh, a few weeks ago it was put back on netflix so yeah if what we say sells you go watch it if you have a netflix account it's, it's only like an hour and a half mm-hmm. have you seen et imagine et replaced the 80s with the 50s and replaced the little alien with a 50 foot tall robot mm-hmm. um Voiced by Vin Diesel. <laughs> that still cracks me up. Yeah, before anybody, more, before most people knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And I, my brother pointed out to me, my brother saw Guardians of the Galaxy before me, and he said, John, you're going to love this movie because Groot is basically Vin Diesel doing the Iron Giant again. <laughs> Down to what happens to them both at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But um, this is just, just a special movie. It There's so many interesting things about it, even besides even just the the conceit of, you know, boy befriends robot, government causes issues. It's amazing to think that they were able to get this, you know, family movie up there and that's so reliant on 50s culture and paranoia. Mm-hmm. It is so heavily entrenched in all the conflict that the Cold War brought about. Mm-hmm. The, the, like, the main villain, Kent Mansley, works for the government, um, he is, like, this nervous wreck. He has this cool demeanor, but... It's that part where he go like he's hanging out with the theater with not theater in the ice cream parlor with Hogarth and he just goes starts going off. It's scary. Like this, yeah. He is so panicky and trigger happy because of that. Like he has that. It's funny where it's like, what's Senate? The Russian, the Chinese, the Canadians? I don't care. All I know is we don't we don't know where it came from, and that's enough reason to blow up the kingdom come. Mm-hmm. Like he is, you kind of get he where was, he's coming from, but he's he, like the worst kind of trigger trigger happy. You know, yeah, he has uh, he has the, this 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 very I don't want to uh, I don't want to say extreme uh, motivation about him because those are those are uh, emotions that are intrinsic to a lot of human beings. Yeah, but at the same time, like you, you well, un- he does nasty you, stuff by the end. You, he does, he does, he does. I remember he, when he makes, there, like during the climax when things finally come to a head. Dean, uh, the the circuit father figure played by Harry Cod Jr. is telling yeah. Ken, "Look, he's got the kid with him." If you don't shoot, he won't shoot back. And Ken's like, "Oh, I'll take care of it." And he walks over. The monsters kill a kid. We gotta stop it. By that yeah. point, like you've lost any sympathy you might have had. You're just out yeah, for get winning, whatever the cost. That's exactly right. And it's there's a lot of really great uh, human design throughout the Iron yeah. Giant. It and is. Our, our, it is not the animation. It is not a flashy, super crazy conceptual movie because it, mm-hmm. it takes place in our world in the 50s but the characters are appealing to design and super expressive mm-hmm. super fluid um, interesting thing Brad Bird himself animated one shot of the movie just because he was really? so he wanted to get started. it is the great scene where Hogarth drinks espresso Mm-hmm. And it cuts them suddenly rapid, like mile a minute. Oh yeah, when he's like rapid, yeah, he's rapid fire, like all these ideas. This did the stupid homework. Right. I, they get up too. There's any more coffee? Um, Bad Bird <laughs> animated that part himself. He just wanted to nail because it was so fast. And um, I, didn't, I didn't know he did that himself. That's that awesome. One, I think it's the one shot he did himself. But he was still overseeing a lot of it. And a lot of the, there's a lot of to remind about the animation, like the fact that the giant itself is CG. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not a new thing by then to blend CG elements with 2- 2D stuff, but I still think this is like the best implementation of it I've seen in a movie. He blends in so well. Yeah. It's like, a very it's a very simplistic look, but you but can the tell motion. that there's a yeah, uh, you can tell that it's it was very complicated to pull off back then. What they did, and what I wish more people would do, is the staff worked on the 3D modeling software and made like an algorithm to mm-hmm. make it so that the line movement wouldn't be completely perfect, like a 3D model. Because yeah. when you're yeah. doing a hand-drawn character, there are going to be little imperfections. That's that's just how it works. And mm-hmm. that's like that's what they, that's how they knew we have to do this if the giant needs to, is to blend in convincingly. And they worked at it, and it works. And I wish more people tried that because more often when I see like cell shaded elements, it's still a little jarring. Yeah, but um, and other things. I, I should check my notes on this. Um, because we're gonna be. I guess we are gonna be going all over the place. Go but, for it. Go for it. It is. It, oh, it is okay. perfectly about, okay. Okay, so we're talking <laughs> about characters, but let's also talk about. It is. We'll get to emotion in a minute, but it is also a super funny movie. Super, it is super funny because Brad Bird started kind of. He worked on Simpsons and King of the Hill, like mm-hmm. during their best years, and. Uh, as like a writer slash producer and he that expertise came through and I think the entire segment with the dinner and Ken entering the house for the first time is like comic perfection um like Hogarth doing that bizarre man you, people look this up on YouTube because that, that clip is there isolated where one of the cool things about the giant is that when he gets hit pieces of him can come off but move independently and reconstruct so mm-hmm. his hand gets loose in the house like a little yeah. like a dog almost a big dog and he Hogarth is looking at the kitchen while about to say grace and he sees mm-hmm. the giant he's like oh my god oh my god we <laughs> thank you and stop the devil that mom has put in front of us and stop the uh, the devil from Doing bad things and uh, get out of here, uh, Satan. And it is perfect, and it keeps going because Ken enters the house, and there's that part in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like it's already funny that Hogarth fakes going to the bathroom, and then the door gets slammed on Ken's face. It is just yes. you're already howling, and then bleh, it's so good. And also, one nice thing I noticed because I did buy the game, the not the game, the film on Blu-ray finally because they finally released it last year with the signature yeah. edition. It's really neat to, you know, see the animation in HG and not only notice, like, what you do with 2D, like, the, the, the thickness of the brushstrokes, but there are little touches, like, when Hogarth first starts the grace and notices, he does this motion where he, like, rolls his eyes, down his hands, and then his eyes just suddenly bulge, and there's a little thing to the motion where the eyes bulge out and then retract just slightly. It's this super appealing, expressive, <laughs> like, man, so much passion for this movie, even though, by the account documentary, they kind of got their budget slashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, both the reason they were the production was was stressful and that they got kind of free reign was after Quest for Camelot failed, Warner Brothers was kind of like just okay, fine, we do whatever with this. We're kind of going to move uh-huh. on from animation. We don't care. But um, and there, even then, there was a producer who really had to fight with Warner Brothers to get Bird to make the movie he wanted. Uh-huh. And but here's the thing, he yeah. actually did make a mistake, which was by the time it was finishing up, they said okay. For I can't I can't remember the reason, but they said if you wanted to if he wants to release it in the normal time slot we originally had, we got a rush promotion. It's not going to get the full. We need to delay it to next year if you want that. And Bird was like, "We've worked on this. We're ready to get this out. Do it." And he regretted it. He he tells this story about how opening weekend he was in L.A. He walked by like a Red Robin or something where he thought it was going to be a promotion. Nothing. He yeah. walked into the theater. It was playing like the rear. Oh, the the marquee instead of having a little graphic, it was like a piece of paper taped to it saying Iron Giant. Uh. Uh, he walked in the theater opening day, opening weekend on a Saturday morning, like eight people in there in L.A. And then when he was leaving, there was like a cardboard standout, not in the front, but towards like one of the exits and the arm had been torn off. It was just a perfect analogy for – and he just uh, cried. He was heartbroken that his baby was failing. But let's get into like the emotions of this movie because it's pretty heavy for what people might expect from a film like this. Um the interesting thing about the giant is like the first shot of the movie is you see Sputnik and then you see him coming down like a meteor into Earth. Yeah. And there's that great part with like that ship captain wrecking his boat and, and like seeing the giant, being the first to see the giant. Yeah. But so when Hogarth encounters in the giant, it's kind of like a big infant. He, yeah. That, that is the one plot point that's kind of requires a leap of faith, which is that he has robot amnesia from a bump to the head. But yeah, that's what it is. Uh, because when he does remember his proper phone, I mean, they zoom in and you see the dent disappear. But mm. um, so Hogarth is trying to educate him on everything. And you get some really great moments with that because he's trying to teach it words and it's Vindy's voice and modulated. So mm-hmm. it's sounding very weird. Like, <laughs> and Hogarth's like, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. So mm-hmm. they kind of start to get by the 
two thirds point the, the part with the deer happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that took me by surprise when I first saw it because um, you think like, oh, that's a little Bambi reference. Blam. Um, yeah. That's when you see the giant's eyes start to change. And by the way, mm-hmm. I always thought that his like target cursor is shaped like a Pokeball, and I cannot <laughs> see it. Um, and so you you know that's when you start to realize that something's going on. I remember when I first saw it, I wasn't sure what, and I was like, okay, this ties to something, but let's see what happens. And one of my absolute favorite parts is during the final confrontation, they get shot down. He thinks Hogarth's dead. And I think I did when I first time I saw it. I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, you're not. You're just unconscious. But it's that great part where like, the giant reaches him. And then he just starts doing this like half crying, like this pleading look. And then just full crying. It's so well. The giant's so emotive, even though he doesn't really have a proper face. It's, mm-hmm. God, it's so good. Um, then, you know, they pull up. They go, it's still alive. And Kent's like, shoot at then. Because it's Kent. And there's that great part. Like You see his front of him. They're shooting his back. He's not really reacting. But then he mm-hmm. gets up. The music goes like, boom. And he's like. And he's had a horrible scream. His eyes turn red. He turns into this like world, the world's monstrosity. And I was, I was so horrified when I saw it in the theater. I was like, this giant I've come to love is. Look at this. This is awful. And and then it gets even more powerful when like Hogarth confronts it. He's got he's staring at the barrel like this giant plasma cannon. And that's you know when they hammer in the the, less, the film's lesson, which is what Kent told him about. Yeah. Being who you choose to be, and basically your circumstances shouldn't make the person you are, but. You kind of need to work towards what's what you think is the best, mm-hmm. and that's what snaps him out of it. And and then of course the part that makes everybody cry. Uh, I was just about to ask, what was the part that really got to you? That 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 made you? I, I mean, besides come on. besides besides all the other stuff. At the end, was, the, the, <laughs> the way the conflict is solved, that's what gets everybody. Both, you know, just the music is so good. There's so little dialogue to it. Just that. Little simple goodbye. It's a callback because mm. when when Gorgeous were trying to train, he's like, "Me stay, you go." And then the giant says the same thing, but you know he means like, "Yeah, no following. This is this is goodbye. I know it's going to happen." And um, the the really the real clencher is that great one more great callback where the giant wanted to be Superman. Mm-hmm. So his yeah. last line is he remembers Hogarth. He's staring that nuke in the face, and <laughs> you hear you are you who's being. He just goes Superman and closes <laughs> his eyes and smiles. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I, I, I sat in my uh, in my living room pretty blown away by that film. I, I couldn't – I kicked myself so many times for not spending the money and going to go see that. You've seen it when they did the signature edition like a year or two ago. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, did, I, I used I'm, that opportunity to show it to a cousin of mine who had never seen it. And yeah, she liked it and she cried. And mm-hmm. um, funny thing – I, I introduced this movie to Patrick because I demanded the Christmas, the following Christmas, get me, Santa, get, well, parents, get this, me this thing on VHS, get me this thing, and they did, and Patrick loved it, I got it again, and they, they finally released it on DVD when The Incredibles came out, you know, to capitalize on Brad Bird, and um, funny thing, uh, it's actually become Patrick's favorite movie, he told me recently, keep hmm. in mind, Patrick's not a geek on our level, He's, he likes cartoons, but not as much, so that, that says something, maybe, yeah. maybe I rubbed off on him in that regard, but it's up his alley, and my parents, my mom said, John, don't tell this, you'll embarrass me. But um, my mom, she she likes good movies, but she has very different tastes. Like I said, she loves uh, her favorite movies on music. She yeah. is a fanatic for Hunger Games and stuff. Um, so when I first showed it to her when I, and my dad when I got the DVD, my dad didn't remember much. And my mom said like a few days after, like, John, I don't get why you love this so much. It's I'm not uh-huh. seeing it. So, But earlier, I think early this year or late last year, they were like – I was visiting them. And they said, John, it's on um, Star HBO or something. You want to watch it again? And I said yes. And when it was over, my mom turned to me and said, John, this was awesome. I remembered it as a different kind of movie, like all gray and somber. I don't know. It was, Weird. My mom falls asleep a lot during watching movies at home. <laughs> so I think maybe that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, they were, she was she was howling at the bathroom, the dinner stuff. My dad was too, and they were just they were into it. It's it's such a universal kind of movie to enjoy. It, it definitely it's, is. You can get so much out of it. Be you kid or adult. If you're a kid, you get the broad strokes, and you get you know nice color animation and fun robots. If you're an adult, it's I don't know. Sometimes it's some. Sometimes it's thought provoking. It just it's such some captivating. It's such good character dynamics. It's, a, it's incredibly is so good. Like I, I will always say, Brad Bird just has this perfect, not eye, but sense of directing like conversations. Mm-hmm. They feel so natural and so engaging compared to mm-hmm. even the best other animations. I, I don't know how to explain it, but like this, like think about when The Incredibles when Bob sneaks home and he confronts him and they're having that that blow up. That's that's amazing. Yeah. I might yeah, well be two real people. Bad just what, knows how to do this. The the thing uh, the thing that really grabs me when I watch Brad Bird stuff 
is that he knows how how to create very human characters. Not not necessarily yeah. like like you know uh, in Ratatouille where uh, well, where Remy is a uh, Remy is a guy. No characters with personality and depth. Yeah, he knows how to create situations that you can identify because you know where they're coming from. Yeah. You get a sense of what you they're can coming. Identify from. they're interesting. Mm-hmm. You want to see where it goes. You want to see these people interacting with each other. You want to see them grow and change and go through this journey. And mm-hmm. look, okay, now I'm going to get into Brad Bird himself and gush about how much I love him because <laughs> I've only found out more about this over over years. He, everything I hear about him, like he is the kind of man I I want to be if I was ever in pro animation because he wants it to be taken more seriously. He wants it to to broaden its horizons in terms of what kind of movies you make because his dream movie that he still has not made is called Ray Gun. It would be like a sci-fi adventure film. Mm-hmm. It was thrown around when he was at Warner Brothers, and I think it's right. He wants to see if he can get it done someday, if not at Pixar, then somewhere else. Maybe as live action, because he loved film in general. That's why he went switch live action for a while. When I followed him on Twitter, he was talking about like 2001. He just has a passion for the craft of all things film and animation. Yeah. And this documentary, like, it taught me some very interesting things about him, because so his equivalent of what Iron Giant was to me was when he was a kid his mom took him to see Jungle Book the original mm-hmm. and that got him so interested he contacted like back then it was still some of the old like the nine old men in Disney the first animators and he did like a, a little short on his own about the tourists and the hair um, and that interested them so much he was like 12 and he did something more than either of us have probably ever done and they mentored him and got him a, a work in the studio but this was during Disney's first kind of like dark period where you know mm-hmm. things were slowing down their movies weren't as big hits you know like Black Cauldron or whatever Yeah, and there's there's basically a point where they called him into the office because he was being outspoken like no we gotta try harder we gotta make stuff like used to and he basically said like okay you can either fire me or I can just voluntarily quit because I'm not gonna put up with this and he also went through a dark period after that and this explains the you know pointing out the problems that guns can cause uh, his sister was shot by her boyfriend wow I didn't um, know that yeah that's horrible. And basically, what the genesis of getting Iron Giant started was, I can't remember how he ended up back up at Warner Brothers, but they were throwing around the movie for a little while already because it's very loosely based on a book called mm-hmm. The Iron Man. You can probably guess why they changed mm-hmm. it. And I read yeah. the book. Other than the intro of it meeting Hogarth, it has very little to do with it after that. But he liked the concept, and he had an idea. His pitch was to Warner Brothers, what if you had this creature that was made to be a gun, a weapon, mm-hmm. and it didn't want to be? And they yeah. were like, let's work with that. And they turned out something terrific. Mm-hmm. I'll, I mean, I remember hearing that pitch, like you know, uh, about the gun, and you know, and about the creature, and, and like w- what would happen. I remember thinking to myself, "That's really, that's really poignant. That's I know. that's you can build so much from off of that." That's what I'm talking about. Just he wants to push the boundaries so mm-hmm. much, and with some of his movies, he already has. And mm-hmm. that's why I meant everything Incredibles too. And whenever he does try to do another animated movie, that's like a pe- passion project of his. Because I've read Ratatouille was one of those Pixar movies that was having production troubles, and he revamped it. Yeah. Like originally, they were gonna like the rats were gonna be more anthrop- anthropomorphized and wear clothes and stuff, and he's like, mm. no, we can make this more grounded but still fun. And yeah, he made it into something terrific. All of his animated movies, I think, are total classics in my eyes. I, w- I do want to bring up so the signature edition. It mm. is basically added two scenes that were storyboard, and I think in one case already voiced, but cut for budget time reasons. One, and I will say, you should watch it, but you should watch yeah. the theatrical cut first. Okay. The first thing they add is something that is nice where it's Kent and Hogarth's mom, uh, Annie, talking at the diner she works at before like he even sees the giant. Just oh. to kind of establish, because they hook up at the end, they get to, they get to like each other, and it's yeah. kind of establishing that they actually do have something, a friendship starting to grow already. The other one that's really cool is when the giant is sleeping in the junkyard after the deer shooting, Kent is just falling asleep with the TV on, and it picks up, basically the giant dreams something, and the mm-hmm. waves of it are transmitted. Um, it's really cool, but it is, like I said, to watch it like first, because this, this really clues you in to what the giant's deal is, because mm. you still never see his creators or aliens or anything, but you see like these planets getting blown up, a, a, a sci-fi city getting destroyed, one shot I love, from the back, like from the giant's point of view, you see an army of him advancing forward in oh, full weapon wow. mode. So the idea is probably that he was part of a squadron of weapons that I used to wonder, like, are there supposed to be more coming to Earth? But this makes me think he got sidetracked somehow. Yeah. And, and really, or, that's still not the p- point of the movie. It's just mm-hmm. to kind of clue you in on, like, why is he the way he is? Yeah. Well, I, I always took it as that he was, like, uh, the scout uh, for, like, his squad. He was the pro and, and since – and since – he got blown up at the end. Whoever built him was like, oh, we can't go that way. Well, <laughs> we'll leave the, we he? lit up. I'm sorry? Or did he? Oh, right, the very, right, very right. end of the movie, it is something that, you know, if they ever made a dumb sequel, it would really cheapen that. 
but mm-hmm. it it's it's a real heartwarmer that last part, and it's good they end it there rather than be like, oh, what's going to happen now? Because I feel like what would happen after he resurrects himself wouldn't be as interesting. Or, but God, it's so like that last shot, that great music, and he just that final open his eyes and smile. It's such a perfect capper on everything. Mm-hmm. It still leaves you with some hope for him, even though. I feel like whatever they could do afterwards could not possibly be as good, but no, I, I, don't, I, think, I, don't, I, they, I don't think they ever had an intention of doing a sequel. I, I think that if they ever decided to make a sequel they and talked about it, I'm, I'm sure they've talked about it. I'm, I'm sure see one if they do it. I, I refuse. The, the only way, cause I'm seeing it, but the only way I am seeing it is if Brad Bird's attached. I don't think he's going to, I don't think oh. he ever has ever entertained that idea. And that's fine. The Incredibles. He entertained it for a long time, but he was saying, cause people, I would ask him, do you want to do Incredibles 2? He's like, yes, but mm-hmm. I'm still brainstorming it. I want to wait until I have a good enough story. Mm-hmm. And now I guess he's like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm glad I'm that he's – I'm, It's great. I'm glad he's the kind of director that kind of takes his time yeah, with movies yeah. instead of just rushes out a sequel. This because movie was, two, only, was 20 years ago. He has made four movies since. Yeah. And he and he's pretty iconic. Yeah. And um, I actually remember hearing they considered him for uh, Force Awakens. Really? I didn't know that. By then, he was a big enough deal. And he, yeah, he probably could have put it off. Um, yeah, I think but so. I think, I think he passed on it for something or other. Or I think, yeah, I think it was his choice. Like maybe he felt it just wasn't the right fit for him. Mm-hmm. And I actually have heard stories about how he is, you know, when he's in charge of project, he's not a bastard, but he is very perfectionist. He's going to be mm-hmm. demanding like, no, we got to make yeah. this as good as possible. I do, saw it again. The, do it again. Do it again. Like, he's he's going to be breathing down your neck. Like this has to be good. This has to be good. I saw the documentary uh, on the Incredibles and 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 how how really fast paced and controlling uh, he was. Yeah. And uh, uh, a lot sense. of times, yeah, it makes sense for the um, for the kinds of films that he creates. And you'd see him that you know they they um the, in the documentary they mentioned that you know he and the producer were kind of bicker and uh, and still kind of iron out. So uh, and the point of it was to get to make the best thing possible. You really got to get the uh, the Blu-ray of Iron Giant and watch that documentary called yeah. The Giant's Dream, unless it's available to purchase online somewhere. Um, I definitely it, it, will. It's eye opening. Yeah, I definitely will. I, I also remember when watching the Incredibles documentary um, the, on the animators, um, um, not documentary, but on the animators' commentary. Yeah. Uh, when um, Brad Bird's commentary, uh, he was very joyful. He was very lively, and you yeah. could you could see the pa- you can hear the passion that's coming yeah. out of his voice. With the animators, you could tell just how just how just fucking tired they were. They were exhausted. They made a classic though. But <laughs> I just, actually, I don't like Bird's commentary track on Incredibles much because it's mostly thank yous. He hasn't mm-hmm. got to make the movie. He's like, oh, yeah, this guy did this part and blah, blah, blah. This guy did this part and blah, blah, blah. But on the flip side, his commentary for Iron Giant, even though I haven't watched it in a while, is better. He goes a little more into in-depth in terms about how it was to make the film. Mm-hmm. Even stuff that – I don't know if you mentioned the commentary, but uh, Cloris Leachman, who's like a pretty iconic actress um, yeah. from like sitcoms and stuff back in the day, she had a role as Hogarth's teacher. Um, really? She recorded a bunch of parts. In the final movie, she has only one line, like, don't make me come over here. Basically, <laughs> as much as they liked her work – the story wasn't working as well with all those scenes, so they kind of. Mm. And that happens. Yeah, that, that's a shame, but it happens. Yeah, there are also I remember interesting things they talk about. Um, there's one really funny moment where Kent is just pestering Hogarth at home, and he mm. starts doing all these rapid cuts, like "Where's the giant hand? Hey, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going?" And they talk about this is actually scenes like that are really hard to do in 2D because you've got to paint individual backgrounds that only appear for like a second. Yeah. Definitely. In CG, they could have modeled the whole house and just worked from there. So you can you can just recycle it because yeah. it's it's there forever. Yeah. and actually, for as long as it's we'll going talk to about it there. Both two D and three D animation have a lot of pros and cons. Like three D, it's stuff like that, and just the fact that you have a free moving camera. Yeah. Um, the downside is you have to spend so much more. Even though you don't have to redraw the character, you have to spend so much time detailing them. Yeah, and it's. I feel like it's much harder to get a really good looking three D model than it is to get a drawn character because we're mm-hmm. used to seeing them less detailed. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a story for another day. And yeah. well, one more thing about Brad Bird, he's still very vocal about wanting to make a comeback. So thanks, Brad. Uh, yeah. More opportunities, I feel, because I love three D, <laughs> but always room for different approaches. Um, we'll definitely. See. But we are we're running out of time. But if I haven't made it clear. Yeah, this is my favorite movie ever. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe for the rest of my life. I, it's impossible to tell. There could always be something else. But it is just a gem. It is such a still very unique film, a personal film, an intelligent film, a funny film, an emotional film, a beautiful film, blah, 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 blah. Everything, almost every positive thing you can say about a movie, I think this movie has. And now that is, this is great. It's a great time that we're doing this now. It's back on Netflix because I'm going to need to put a spoiler warning in the uh, text for this. So we didn't really do a plot overview as much as like, oh, remember this and this and this. I think it's kind of our, that's kind of our mantra though. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, 
if I'll, I'll put this warning, I would rec- and I'll put it before for the review. You should listen to this after because it'll enrich things. And I feel like you don't want this movie spoiled for you. Like the kind of stuff I'm talking about that really shocked me when I first saw this as a kid. I feel like the same thing could happen with even older viewers who aren't as used mm. to like who don't see as many movies or not as interested in the movie making. Like, there's some stuff in there that will take you just by surprise. Mm. But uh, Chris, what do you want to say about Iron Giant? Uh, I, I I do feel the same way as you do. I mean, it's not my favorite film of no. all time That's but it is uh, but it is an animation classic uh, it, there's a reason why people uh, like seeing so many giant accolades for this film yeah. uh and i i definitely concurred it if you haven't seen the iron giant it's on netflix uh if you're no looking yeah no excuse anymore unless you're not um, on netflix there if you're looking into like a budding career in animation i mean sure there's who framed roger rabbit there's a whole bunch Watch of disney too. films yeah there's a whole bunch of uh looney tunes shorts you can get into detects every stuff yep classic um, disney by, films by, by all means steady up but if you're looking if if you're looking for like a like a nice genuine experience on how to write good characters on how to identify with human behavior mm-hmm. and, and also behavior and also and also how to become a, a, a that, uh, also, just to kind of hone in on you know what it means to be a very passionate director, then by all means check exhibit out exhibit A. Exhibit A. Uh, the Iron B, Giants. The Incredibles. The, B, the Incredibles. Thanks, Robert. Um, by last, all means, pl- okay. go ahead and check it out when you have the chance. Last few things I'll say. Um, one great Chris, surprise Christmas gift I got because we often have a uh, cousin gift swap in my family. My cousin, who years ago I showed it to him because we were about the same age. I don't, this was I'd wanted this for a while, but it wasn't in my uh, price range. He got me the recent Art of the Iron Giant oh, cool. hardcover book. Gorgeous! Oh, it goes so in depth about. Oh, they, it pulled up the page I wanted to, which is Bird saying he was surprised by how many women told him they were attracted to Dean, which I get. <laughs> well, he's a total gladiolus link type, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Uh, Tumblr has lots to say about Gene. Uh, um, Dean. Uh, about uh, Dean. Sorry, uh, still thinking about other um, other shows. He's an identifiable, identifiable character too. He's kind of the <laughs> oddball of the town in some ways, but he's also pretty smart. Um, and I can't show it to you now, but uh, maybe you saw it when you visited, but probably not. Uh, when The Incredibles came out. And I was still in high school. I wrote to Pixar and just put Bird's name on top. It was oh, yeah, this you... kind of mini essay. Oh, you did see it. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell people. It was this kind of mini essay just thanking him. Like, you got me passionate about this. This makes me – you've made me be able to more be more critical and analytical of animated films and such. And I would love to work on this kind of stuff someday. And he wrote back. He wrote a – it was like a short thing, like a paragraph or two, but just – it was complimentary. He was like, you sound like you're on the right track. Keep analyzing these movies, which – he kind of predicted me reviewing movies years later. And he yeah. Also, he also included an uh, autographed mini poster of The Incredibles. It's fr- it was framed in it's been framed in every place I've lived for the past few years, mm-hmm. including my uh, bedroom hallway now. But I guess that will bring things to a close. Yeah. Um, we uh, but, uh one more thing. We got to yes. get you out to like uh, the CTN Expo one day. Um, oh, it yeah. is it is um, CTN Expo is a giant uh, animation convention that's um, that's hosted in Burnbay, California. Almost every year, me and Serena went once, and it oh. was we we've had a blast. I would love um, to go. It's just a money and time commitment. Yeah, the money definitely put aside the money and the time to be yeah, able to get in. Share a hotel room. I don't know. You could share a hotel room or bunk up with some friends if they if you had no one in California. But the um, uh, we I always not in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they usually have people who worked in the animation industry yes. come in and guest and and talk. Um, we met, um, who was it? Andreas Deja, sweetie. Oh yeah. Uh, we, we met him. He's like um, one of the big guys of the Disney Renaissance. I think he did Jafar, uh, yeah. Scar and Hercules. He was their lead yeah. animator, right? Yes. And, yep. Yeah, that's him. Legend. Um, we also met, we didn't meet him, uh, but Glenn Keane was there and Another that was Disney fun. legend. Also, Gendy Tartakovsky Holy was shit. there. Okay, yeah, that's timely. This, this this was before the new Samurai Jack was I just, even an, even announced. And I want to review that at some point. I haven't watched it yet, but we got I just we got to go we got to watch the entire thing before we do that. Because I, well, I just made my first full season pass purchase for a show in years because I want to support this. This is something I thought I would never see. I gotta mm-hmm. support this, and I gotta watch this. I want to see how this wraps up. I want to see. And I love the fact that it's more adult. Oh my god, actual blood! I mean, that, yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound like a it's, psychopath, but <laughs> it's just the now. Tarkovsky, he's he's got less filters now, and yeah. he can really wrap things up the way he wants to. And it's so great that Cartoon Network is actually supporting it. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm glad uh, that Samurai Jack is we'll back. We'll do a full Samurai he, Jack he, review soon. 
he was actually hinting at it, uh, but he didn't really say much about it. He was like, I'm working on something new. He you was might trying know to do stuff for is. years. <laughs> he was trying to do stuff for years, like a movie or some sort of miniseries. And this is still yeah. one season. But I guess he, yeah, he, they were, they, they actually, I think they announced years ago, Fred Ray was going to do a movie to wrap it up, but that fell through. There mm-hmm. were like multiple attempts at it. And I think that was always the plan. But um, eventually. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad they. I'm glad they decided to do a series out of it. Um, He's more time. I'm, yeah. I'm. I'm going off at a tangent, but my point is, is that um, if you so, ever feel the need to go to CTN Expo, I'm not sure Brad Bird will has ever, if ever, okay. he'll show there up there. Other people to see. Yeah, but it, I think it's an interesting experience, and by all means, you'll definitely find like uh, as passionate as you feel about the Iron Giant, you're going to meet some very, very like-minded people there. I guarantee it. Of course. Uh, and uh, it'll be it, it'll be fun for anyone who's interested. So okay. I just want to throw that out there. So it's probably about time we wrap things up. Sure. Um, this has been fun, and uh, it was so nice to kind of gush about one of my favorite things of the world for like 40 minutes. Um, but I will say, so uh, next episode, we're going to be trying something well, a little different with our next two episodes is that we're going to do two guests in a row, mm-hmm. uh, both making their debut on the show. I'm not going to say who either guest is just because with each one being widely, there's still a chance they could, well, either of them could be unable. Yeah. But um, obviously we'll announce them when they're on, when the episode starts. But I will say what we review because we'll probably do it if they still can't make it. Mm-hmm. So our next episode, um, I will say my pre-show topic is we're recording this on Thursday the 23rd. I have already preserved, pre-ordered my ticket tomorrow for opening day of Power Rangers. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, you actually played the uh, Mega Battle game with me when you visited, yes, too. I did. Uh, yes, not I a very did. good game, nostalgic, but the movie sounds better from what I'm seeing. So I'll discuss my thoughts on that, as will our co-host, um, our guest mm-hmm. host. But we will be doing another uh, retrospective slash overview of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, you know what? It kind of it's nice. It's kind of nice that we're following up on a giant with it because I actually consider it my favorite overarching movie series. <laughs> if that makes any sense, it does. All and, right, uh, it'll good. be very fun to discuss that. And man, this has been a content-filled episode despite yes, a limited amount of time. But <laughs> this has been. I am John Flurry. I'm Christopher Wade. And you are who you choose to be. Yes, you are. Uh, also, boys' life. Eh. <laughs> No, Watamo. <laughs> I should just start quoting random things and just making you laugh. Just a, Superman. You just break it to my house and while I'm sleeping, you just go, Superman. You're like, oh, 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 oh. what the fuck? Superman's oh, doing here. Okay, <laughs> that's it. <laughs>